Hey, listeners. After five babies, I've changed a lot of diapers. And I have opinions about them. A lot of people think Pampers Cruisers 360 are best to use when your baby is older. But in my experience, they're the best diapers to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. That's because these diapers don't have ordinary diaper tabs. They have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who just can't stop moving. Just slide on to apply, rip the sides to remove, and roll everything up with the disposal tape on the back. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof and just got even better with a new blowout barrier. And since these diapers stretch with your baby, your active baby can move all over the place, getting into everything as usual. Pampers Cruisers 360 are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of two and soon-to-be three and a practicing physician. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Episode 1. Today we're going to be talking on how each of us decided to have more than two kids, with some musings on what that's like now from me, Laura, and what the future holds from Sarah, because Sarah is expecting her third child in December, right, Sarah? That's right. I'm currently in that sweet spot of the second trimester at 23 weeks. Awesome. But speaking of the future, both of us are kind of focused on the near future right now of school starting. When, when is that coming up for you? For us, we start in about a week and a half for my daughter, who will be entering her first real year of school in kindergarten. And my son starts a week after that um, with just another year of pre-K. What about you? Yeah, we're starting after Labor Day. I think a lot of the schools in the North start after Labor Day and more Southern schools start earlier than that. But I've actually been spending a bunch of time this week designing my activities spreadsheet for the coming year, um, which I know you also have had to put together quite an activity schedule of like after school stuff, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's such a regional thing. I feel like all the Southern schools are already ready to go. And up North, it's like 
oh, that's forever from now. But it's true. The activity stuff starts early because you got to get your signups in while they're available. You got to get the signups in. I know I had to put in a sign up for gymnastics before the the first choice was sold out. And that's always a problem when I'm coordinating everyone's schedules (laughs) when your your first choice isn't there. But You were introduced this year to the fun of the school supply shopping. Yeah, the school supply shopping was eye-opening for me. I was used to the preschool thing where you just drop your kid off and kind of don't worry about much else. But we received an item list with more than 29 things, many of them in triplicate and more with specific brand names. So that was rather intimidating. Why was it specific brand names? You know, I cut deal with Crayola somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. But then I actually found out that a lot of people ignore the brand name part. So it became a lot easier after I figured that part out. Yeah, no, that's good. I guess the only reason I could see that is some... My kindergartner's class actually pooled a lot of supplies. And so maybe if they just wanted everyone to have the same thing, um, that was exactly it. And you know how when you're doling out items to five-year-olds, if there are subtle differences that could actually spark like World War Three. <laughs> There'd be riots in the kindergarten classroom, yeah. So did you did you come up with the cool backpack though? Because that that is the key. You know, I have we still have to go backpack shopping and we might go today because I'm off today. So I'm thinking about taking my daughter. That's good. Yeah, it, that is, I got to say, that's the thing the kid has got to pick out themselves. And every year, my, my seven-year-old wants to choose a cartoon backpack of some variety. And of course, those are the cheapy ones. Like, finally, my 10-year-old has acquiesced to getting like a real backpack that will stay together for the whole year. I guess at seven, you still got to get your Pokemon or Teenage Ninja Turtles or whatever it is. Yeah, I can sense some trolls or descendants action in my immediate future. (laughs) Yeah. What what are you guys actually doing for activities this this year? We're doing a lot. I didn't quite make a spreadsheet because my style is more analog than you, Laura. So I wrote it all down on paper. But we have a lot of stuff going on. I've got both kids doing gymnastics. They're both doing swimming. There's some after-school activities. There are really just an hour after school, so they sort of don't even count, in my opinion, because they just make the day end at three. And Annabelle's doing drama and also clay modeling, and then she also has ballet on Saturdays. And then Cameron has basketball and soccer. So it's a lot. I feel like they each have one or two things every single day. So I, I probably overdid it. But I also figured I better let them do what they want now because I felt like in the spring, once we have the new baby, things might have to be dialed down a bit. What about you guys? Well, well, we're doing, oh my goodness, swim, karate, gymnastics. Um, But all those things sort of take a lot of time in the sense that they're multiple times per week as, as the kids get into more like competitive swim and stuff like that, then you have multiple practices. That's a big kid thing. I feel like all the little kid things are just once a week. Yeah. But it'll be fine. I mean, the spreadsheet, you can laugh about it if you want, but it's, (laughs) it makes sense. Like you, cause I can see then where people need to be at certain times. And, you know, it's this whole intricate puzzle of making sure I'm, I'm protecting my work time. And so I'm trying to make sure there's not too many times where we need more than one driver. So, you know, our nanny can do most of it, but uh, yeah, it's good times, which, which brings us to our main segment today, which the thing with larger families is it does become this intricate puzzle of who needs to be where, when, and there's a lot more logistics involved. 
And yet both of us did decide to go for the bigger family. I guess we both decided it was going to be doable. So since you're more recently into this decision, what was your thought process with that? Well, deciding to have my second child was a no-brainer. And I think we've talked about this before. You know, society kind of isn't that surprised when people go from one to two children, but the two to three is a much bigger jump. I didn't initially think we were going to go for it. I was pretty happy. We had our girl and our boy, but somehow just about a, you know, when he turned close to three, I could not let go of the idea of a third kid. And it wasn't necessarily like, oh, this is a great idea. My life will be fantastic with three kids. It was more the idea that If I didn't do it, then I felt like I'd have a lot of regret, and I just emotionally couldn't let go of the idea. I guess to make a long story short, we went for it. It didn't take terribly long, which I'm really grateful for. My first took a really long time, and we're due in December. So I'm actually really excited to have a few more years of buffer between my second and my third compared to when I was dealing with my first two together, and they were I had the the fun two under two for a little while, which is really really hard. (laughs) Yeah. So now everyone's out of diapers and into school and you've got that. And And I guess that's a plus minus. (laughs) Exactly. Like I don't really remember what that's like and I'm going to have to dive back in. But I mean, we've talked about this too. It's, you have this perspective now of how transient it is. Whereas when you have that first kid, you feel like this is the new normal forever. And it's very hard to wrap your head around the fact that, well, this is the new normal for a year, and then the next year is something different, and then it's a continuing evolution after that. And to me, I really enjoyed it more the older my kids have gotten, and that's why I don't think when I had two under two, I had any thoughts of having more. And yet now, when I'm picturing like three school-age kids, I'm just really, really excited about the future. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I've found big kids are so much fun. <laughs> and they have their their issues, obviously. I mean, there's a lot of drama involved in, in homework battles and such. But they're kind of fun to hang out with. And, you know, I have this little guy who's two, and he's different from that. And it's just a very different form of care. And it's a hard age. And those first few years are really, really tough. And I think a lot of people decide not to go through it again because we do get so scarred by those early years. But maybe the more you have, more children you have, the more you do see that it's just, you know, the first two years are going to be hard. I mean, right? That's, you're, you're prepared for it this time around. You, you know Absolutely. that's going to happen. I track my time and I've looked at those first two years with my, my fourth kid. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff. You forget like the six nursing sessions per day or seven and being woken up in the middle of the night. And it's, it's not really fun, but then I kind of wish you tracked your time before, because I'd love to see a comparison of what it was like when they were all say over the age of three versus having your little one. I think that would have been really interesting. Well, yeah, there were only about six months in that (laughs) beautiful window when everyone was over three and potty trained. And, you know, I have memories of it in that I had more control over my mornings. I could get up and do stuff. I could go outside by myself and trust that everyone was going to keep 
the house Alive. from yeah <laughs> there, there was not going to be death inside where i have no guarantee on that with my my two-year-old but some of that is just kid specific too because i did track my time for a week when my daughter who's the, my third kid was about two and a half which is right before i got pregnant with number four you know, there there was obviously a lot of kids stuff going on, but I did have some control over the mornings then too. And I think it's a, she slept better than he did. And, and so that's just, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> it's kind of a... Yes, that part is so true. And I love the perspective that you have that they're going to be different and it may not be about anything that you're doing because you got the same environment and the same parents and that yet sometimes wildly different outcomes. Wildly different. But, you know, it's, are you, how many kids were in your family growing up? I mean, what did you sort of see as the norm? Uh, I just have one younger sister. Um, and to be honest, I would have loved to have at least one more. I think with the two of us, we didn't really have that big group mentality. And I think we could have used some diffusion of some of the attention from my parents. So I actually would have enjoyed some extras in the mix. Um, but yeah, I just had the experience of the one sister. My husband, however, is one of three and they had a beautiful family experience growing up. So that might've shaped some of our decision-making process. Yeah. I'm one of three, although my older brother and younger brother are both quite a bit far apart from me. But because of that, I think I never saw two as the norm. I think I probably saw three more as the norm. And my husband is actually one of four. Um, so he probably saw that more as the norm. And his mom is one of five. My father is one of five. So we certainly have bigger families in our extended family experience. And I guess I, I sort of always like the idea of having lots of us around the Thanksgiving table in the future. And, and so that's what I've kind of kept my eye on, especially as we've gone through some pretty rough times with the littlest kid being a bit of a terror in all, always. But you know, it, it's my. Have you gotten like flack from people at all for going? I to- really haven't. I really haven't. I was just going to add because I thought about it when you said it that my job has given me a unique perspective too. Like I get to see families of all shapes and sizes. I have. A one um, family of patients where they have a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old, and then they had a second marriage, and they have a two-year-old, and the mom just had another one. And so I really do get to see this unique spectrum of what it looks like with two and what it looks like when they're older and what it looks like when they're babies. And I think because I didn't have that family experience, that dimension or that uh, perspective has sort of allowed me to look past those first very difficult years and think farther ahead. So I think that really helped me too. Yeah. No, I mean, I I feel like we got some flack for, for number three. Well, we were living in New York City when I got pregnant uh, with number three. And it's very much like having that third is kind of a crazy thing when you're there. And we did wind up leaving the city. So maybe there there's something to that. Um, but, you know, a lot of people would be like, well, you're contributing to overpopulation. I mean, sometimes saying it in a nicer way than that. But uh you know, and well, then, then I've heard from other people. It's like, well, we're not going to have children. So it'd be like a carbon trading scheme, right? Like you can have exactly. our credits. No, that's actually, well, I was thinking about that. I did get one comment on my blog where um, someone did write something about how it was interesting that I had decided to choose to have a third when I was aware about, you know, I was talking about how we recently had a flood and environmental concerns where we live. But then my mind went to the fact that of my very, of my close college friends, actually, 
this is a little unusual, but I'm actually the only one of the six of us with any kids right now. I have another one that's pregnant with her first. And if you actually look at population statistics, we're not in a baby boom right now. We're actually at one of the lower fertility rates we've seen in a long time in the United States. So that made me feel a lot better. Yeah. Also, I don't think your third kid is going to be responsible for the Miami flooding. I'm just going to throw that out there. (laughs) Probably not. I would be really happy if my third kid becomes an engineer that somehow you know, stops the problem, exactly. Right? That would be my greatest hope. <laughs> <laughs> but I really found that like, you know, people kind of, the more kids you have, people are like, Oh, that's crazy. I don't know how you do it. I've, I really found that zero to one was the tough thing. That was the lifestyle change. That was the, we're not going to brunch for a couple of years here moment in your life. Whereas two to three is not that crazy. Three to four is just like more juggling. Uh, I mean, is that what you found? Absolutely. I felt like one, zero to one was really hard for me. And I do think there's this temptation when you have your first to think, oh, I can totally cram my old life in with the kid. And then there's this sort of slow realization over the first six months to a year that no, it's never going to be the same again. And then comes acceptance. And once you've gotten to that place where you're a parent and your life is about your children and family, I didn't really find that adding more to the mix made things all that much difficult. Now, I'm not saying that like I'm loving pumping, you know, that's something we'll talk about. And the early years are really hard, but I felt like zero to one was harder than one to two. And maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I'm actually less nervous about adding this one to the mix because A, I feel like I know what I'm doing. B, I'm already in that parent place. And C, I'm not going to have a toddler that I'm dealing with while I'm dealing with an infant like I did the second time around. Yeah, you totally, you already have the family car. Like you guys already have your child care arrangement. I mean, you're not even really going to have to change that. There's some economies of scale with that. We actually do need a car because my Prius is not going to fit all three car seats, <laughs> but that's okay. We have plans. Well, see, you've, been you've been fighting global warming already. So you, exactly. you, you're already good in that. Exactly. In that I've earned my third kid. You've earned your third kid by having the Prius. It, it, I, I want to just go off on a tangent here because I'm sure you're going to get people telling you this when you're going to three people like, oh, you're switching from man on man to zone defense. Uh, I hate that. Oh, my goodness. Have you noticed it is only men who say that? It is totally men. It's because that's from their perspective. We're like, we're often zone. We're good at zone already. I don't know what you're talking about. Number two was born. Okay. (laughs) Like, and is that you can tell a guy who's like not had a whole lot of solo time with his two kids when they have a third. And that's when he's saying like, we're going to zone defense from man on man. Cause yes, every time you've been home at nights and on weekends, each of you has had a kid, but your wife had the kids more time than that. And so, yeah, from her perspective, we've already figured out the zone thing. That's a one of one of those little pet peeves of mine. <laughs> Do you find that the more kids you have, the more there is sort of responsibility taken equally from both parents just by necessity? To a degree. Um, I mean, certainly we, you know, need a lot of extra help too. My my husband travels a lot for work and I travel some too. I, I do a lot of speeches in various places. So for that, we, we need a really good childcare setup that can accommodate overnight trips and the fact that kids need to be lots of different places at different times. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you can't, on weekends, it does wind up being a lot of like 
he'll take two of them and I'll take two of them. Or, or often it may be that he takes the big three and I take the little guy. Um, that tends to be a good split for doing things. Um, but, you know, neither parent exactly gets a whole lot of weekend downtime <laughs> when there when there are four of them. Although we do try to use the littlest one's nap to, you know, tell the other kids, go have some screen time or go read and we'll you know, I'll reconvene when, he, when he's back up um, and then we'll, we'll deal with it then. So that's, that's a good way to get a little bit of, of peace on weekends with that many. I'm not expecting that much peace for the first <laughs> no, year. No, it's, it's not, but that's, you know, like, I'm curious when you think about your career though, because I mean, another thing, I think a lot of professional women um, feel like each kid has the risk of being a hit to your career. And on some level, I, I again feel like, well, once you've done one, you've already taken, if you're going to take a hit, which I don't think you have to take a hit, but if you are going to, you may have taken it. After you figured out how to build your career with one, adding a second, adding a third is just more juggling. It's not that you haven't figured out how to do it. I agree. Plus, actually, more kids sometimes tends to force you to streamline things even more so that I have colleagues with one kid where they may actually bring their kid in. But since that's like not going to ever be a reality with the number of kids and the ages of kids I have, I would not do that. So that's an instance in which I probably have – well, I do. I have processes in place and sort of safety nets, I guess, of childcare that might actually be advantageous compared to someone who really wouldn't need to throw that together with one kid. Yeah. And I know that my childcare arrangements have definitely gotten better over the years as we've had more kids. And it's partly that I feel probably better about having it. Like it feels less like it's just, you know, me not doing something. I mean, now at least probably a quarter of the time we have childcare hours, I'm with a kid. It's just, I'm with one of them while somebody else is with another kid, (laughs) you know, the rest of the kids or something. Um, so, so that makes it possible. And I, I wouldn't have done that with one kid, um, because it wouldn't have really made sense, but because of that, it's, it's made life a lot more smooth with, with four. And I can't speak to what the experience would be like with just one kid, but I do feel like having more than one, when I do have childcare to cover one, it really does feel like a treat and like this intimate experience with the one kid that I don't normally have. So I actually feel like I appreciate it more when those times do occur. Yeah. And I, that has been a big thing for me, having to build in one-on-one time with the older kids, especially when we have this younger kid who needs a lot of attention. And so we've done a couple of things. I mean, one is that I try to do these like mommy days every summer where I take one day and I, I don't work and I go do something special with, with each of the big kids. So that's three days in the course of the summer. And those have been really cool. We've gone to amusement parks for the most part. And you just get to hang out with the kid and chat with them. And whatever they want to do is cool. Like if one kid wants to do arcade games for two hours, it's it's fine. You're not dealing with everyone else saying, come on, we got to leave. We got to go do something else. I totally love that idea. And I'm definitely going to copy it. Yeah. Um, I have a friend that does it on a smaller scale. She's a stay-at-home mom with three boys. And um, she'll often take one of the older two out for dinner alone and the dad will, you know, put the other two to bed. And she has these lovely, intimate conversations and it just sounds so nice. It does. And and I think that – but it has – it's good for us because we have multiple kids. I think if you were just a parent of one child, like you spend so much time with that kid anyway that it doesn't have that sort of special flavor to it as much and, that, you know, 
I guess it, it needs to be at least somewhat rare to be cool. Yeah, the novelty factor. <laughs> the novelty factor is, is key. But I also try to get some of that with just, um, I mean, one of the reasons I work the schedule I do, I can usually do some of the kids shuttling in the late afternoon with activities. And that has been good for getting one kid in the car. And then you get to have those conversations with that one kid. And I usually, if I'm hanging out at the activity, I'll, I'll answer emails or read. So I'm not wasting that time. Um, but, but then you get the time in the car and, and have good conversations with them. And, and also kind of trying to put the kids to bed semi-individually, you wind up getting a few minutes of one-on-one -on -one time with them as well. Yes, although my two are going to be sharing a room <laughs> once we have all three, so that won't be quite as individual, but yeah. I'll have to figure out how to make it work so that they each get some one-on-one -on -one time at night, because right now we do it that way, and it's really nice. Cameron gets his three-year-old level books, and then Annabelle gets read to you know, her chapter books that are probably he would be bored by, so we really like that. Yeah. So I think we've both found that it's it's fine to go for the the bigger family, but we probably started off kind of feeling that way. But, uh, you know, I think if you want to do it, if you want to make it work, it can work. Yeah, I'm really excited to to see how it unfolds for us, but I'm I'm really optimistic. Looking forward to it. So now we're going to do a segment where we each talk about what we're loving now. We're going to do some shout outs to strategies or products or services that really work for us, make life possible right now. Sarah, you go first. And we've decided that no love is too big or too small for this segment. So my um, personal love this week is long sleeve swim shirts. Very exciting, right? But seriously, we never used them before. We bought them this year. And it has greatly reduced the amount of sunscreen I have to apply to each kid, which makes me way happier. And I feel like they provide better protection. And since I am pregnant and don't necessarily need to be, you know, showing off my goods at the pool with all the kids, I love being able to put on a zip up shirt and not feel self-conscious. So. Oh, you could totally show off the goods. <laughs> <laughs> I could, but maybe I don't want to. <laughs> and we, we love those too. No, I mean, they, it, it saves so much time and, and you're not worried about the kid getting sunburned too. My love of the week, and this is combined with a public service announcement here, TSA pre-check. Oh my goodness. Last week I traveled to Nashville um, to give a speech. I show up at the airport about an hour before my flight, which is what I normally aim for. If I did not have pre-check, I would have missed my flight. The lines were down the hall. It was amazing. I've never seen them all the way past. They were getting people off the people mover and then moving them all the way back to oh. the beginning of the people mover. <laughs> Basically, it was that bad. And Here's the thing. If you don't have pre-check, uh, which the TSA, you go, you have an appointment. A lot of airports have a place where you can do this, or otherwise you can go to, they have sometimes offices and like shopping centers and things like that, um, to, to show that you are a trustworthy person and all that good stuff. But the thing is, you probably are in an airport line thinking, oh, I should get this. And then you go on your trip and maybe the way back, it's not as bad. And, and you say, oh, well, it's you know going to take effort to go do it. Just go do it. You will thank yourself so much the next time when you can breeze through the security line. You can take young kids with you because obviously they don't even have a record for them to check on anything like that. But save so much time. So please go get your TSA pre-check if you're listening to this. 
And if you happen to be within like 50 miles of a toll road, go get your easy pass. Like this is another thing. We when we travel, and there's a lot of toll roads in the Northeast, we are always amazed to see cars like stacked up in the cash lanes. Sometimes, I mean, there'll be 10, 15 cars deep. That is 15 minutes you could be waiting in that toll line um, that you are not getting to your destination or not getting home. So again, listening to this, get your pre-check, get your easy pass. You will be so much happier. I agree. It's like a time saver that pays off in dividends. Down here, we have Sun Pass and not Easy Pass, but I'm sure it's the same. And I only got my pre-check like several months ago, and I wish I had done it sooner because breezing through those lines is amazing. And by the way, we want to point out none of this content is sponsored. All of our loves of the week and anything else we mention on this show is from our hearts only. From our hearts only. No money changing hands here. <laughs> well, one thing we, we do want to exchange is questions with listeners. Um, so Sarah and I both run blogs. Um, we're on social media as well, and we love questions. So at Sarah's blog, she asked for listener questions before we even had this podcast. And people were so generous with coming up with topics for us to talk about, which we were going to do in all these upcoming episodes. But the first one this week, why don't, why don't you read that one for us? Sure. Off your blog. This comes from reader Morgan, and she writes, I'd love to hear about pumping in a professional context, specifically while on work travel with people who aren't used to it, how to bring it up and how to stay casual about it so it's minimally awkward. <laughs> I'm not sure there is a situation where it's minimally awkward. <laughs> Although there's this big movement right now to normalize pumping. Um, I believe there's like a hashtag called I pumped here. So maybe this is going to gradually get better as more working women are sh sort of normalizing the process. But I agree it is a really difficult one. Yeah. And and you normally were able to just do it at your office, right? So you'd fit it in yes. between patients. I mean, did you For just me, sort of block it was all it about. Yes. For me, it was about arranging my schedule. So I actually got rid of my one long lunch break. I mean, not that it's that long, but I cut it up into two pumping segments so that I could better get it done. Um, but traveling is really hard. And to be honest, I don't have personal experience with that kind of business travel. Yeah. Do you? <laughs> so, um, yeah, the pump and I uh, traveled many, many places together. Um, it has its own fun in the TSA lines. I can't tell you how many times it has been poked at by agents who are wondering, <laughs> what is this? I took it with me to India once and had to explain the whole concept to the security people in India who are like, what on earth is this? I'm like, well, I got to pump you know, milk for my baby. They're like, well, where's the baby? I'm like, well, that's why I have the pump because the baby oh, is wow. <laughs> It's like, works somewhat like a cow. Like if we want to talk about this, you know, but it, it's... um. It is a pain. It is a total pain. A uh, couple things that I have found. I mean, you're just going to have to embrace the bathroom. You are, if you're on a train, I did a lot of pumping in Amtrak train car bathrooms. Gross, but necessary. So <laughs> I would kind of, you know, wait till we're not right by a station. So it's a little bit quieter. And usually you want to make sure you're in a car that has two bathrooms so that if you're in one for a while, it's okay. But you also got to be okay with the quickie pumping session. And so some of this business travel pumping is more about just relieving pressure um, as opposed to getting a full pumping session in. Um, 
So if you view it that way, that you, you're not probably going to be able to be perfectly timed with what your baby's nursing sessions would be at home, that is really more about doing it with frequency and, and getting a few ounces out so that you're comfortable until the next session. That, and you can always ramp up the intensity at night yeah. when you're in the hotel room. When not that that's super fun, yeah. but you know, the, the pump nap can work <laughs> and make up for lost time. Yeah, exactly. And, and so when you're in a hotel room, I mean, if you are planning on bringing the milk home with you, uh, obviously, you know, ask for a refrigerator in your room. Uh, a lot of hotels have some rooms with refrigerators and some not. So you got to make sure that you're doing that. Honestly, as for it being normalized, I think you just, you don't have to be graphic <laughs> about what's going on. But if you tell the people you're traveling with, like, listen, I need to pump every three to four hours. Um, I will do my best to scout out locations, but I just, you know, if you could help me with that, I'd appreciate it. And most of the time, I think if it's not, you know, like a 70-year-old dude that you're traveling with, most people are pretty okay with it. Um, certainly, if you male colleagues who have kids themselves, if their wives have breastfed, they are probably going to be supportive of it. If they're a little bit, you know, squeamish, whatever, just be like, got to go take my break now. And they'll be like, okay, all right, got to go take your break now <laughs> and just not go into it too much. But if you're casual about it, most other people will be casual about it too. And, you know, it's not forever, <laughs> even if it feels like forever. Uh, it, it, it Eventually, the pump days are over and you can kind of laugh at the stories you've had during it. And maybe we'll even go delve into this further in a future episode, you know, about the pressure to continue breastfeeding for a very specific amount of time. I personally believe there really has to be some flexibility there. As a pediatric professional, yes, there are some minor medical benefits to breast milk, but nothing that makes it an all or nothing kind of a thing. So yeah, perhaps that deserves less a longer discussion a, later. <laughs> less or more of a woman, no matter what you do. So if it, if it works for you, great. I think it is quite possible to pump while traveling. It's just you got to have a sort of good sense of humor about it and always make sure you lock those bathroom doors. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say on that one. Um, so we are um, bringing this episode to a close. We're taping these first ones in a batch and releasing them, but we hope to have a weekly schedule after that. So please connect with us on our blogs, um, or you can reach out to us via social media, and we'd look forward to chatting next time. Yeah. And if you have topic ideas or questions you'd like us to address, we would love to hear them. So please don't be afraid. Let us know. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. 
The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.